0: Global but proudly local, Paramount ANZ is taking brands into tomorrow. From a mountain of content to innovative advertising solutions, Paramount ANZ connects brands with future generations who are tomorrow's customers. See tomorrow. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing.
1: TV Network's new battle for the remote control. ITA doubles
0: down on the ABC's ageism issue.
1: Which code really won the grand
0: final ratings?
1: Unmade. It's Monday, October 10, 2022. I'm
0: A Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. We're both in Tasmania, but for once you're in the more remote part than me. How's your weekend been? It
1: was great. I had a little, uh, well, I'm actually still on a family uh, family long weekend to a little mountain cabin that my in-laws own in the beautiful uh, Leven Canyon. It is absolutely stunning up here, coming to you with blisteringly slow satellite internet, but it's good to connect.
0: <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, look, that's the one thing about Tasmania is we don't have the fastest internet.
1: We don't. Although I'm yet to get Starlink, and I'm told Starlink is pretty good, so uh, we may need to upgrade and invest up here so that we can get all the internets while we're off grid. Isn't it funny how we need to be on grid while we're off grid? It's a it's a funny thing these days.
0: <laughs> how was your weekend, Tim? Look, I had a good week and a good weekend. Um, I was in Sydney during the week, as Unmade readers will know, for the uh, ten upfront event. Um, and then, um, uh, thanks to a couple of Qantas-based mishaps, as is sometimes the way, I had an extra bonus day in Sydney on Saturday, which which was pleasantly spent. But I made it made it back to Tasmania in time to uh, to stream the uh, the Formula One last night, which became a something of a media event, really, because um, it, it it ended up being the championship decider. But it was something of a debacle because. Um, the commentary team got completely confused. Now, this was the the team that does uh, commentary out of Sky in the UK, but is uh, is is also then used uh, on the Foxtel services here and on the K- KO services. Um, and um, there was there was rain at the Japanese Grand Prix, so there were red flags, and it was a shortened race. And the commentary team got completely confused about what that meant for the point system. So there was an Utter anti-climax where Max Verstappen actually won the championship, and um, the, the the viewers didn't realise because the, the the crew had it wrong. So it was um, it was such a flat way to effectively end the competition of the season. So I I suspect there will be all sorts of post mortems on on how a team could have got it so wrong. So, so does this. Actually really matter this sort of issue? Well, I suppose only in that does anything matter in television. Um, but but I suppose, you know, we have to remember that, you know, like any sports, but particularly something like Formula One, it's a business and it's a media business and it gets the, the the big money because of advertising and sponsorship. And something you you know, you'll remember Damo and I used to talk about in the past on Start of the Week is is the effect of Netflix and the um, the documentary series Drive to Survive which created this whole new kind of audience of newcomers to Formula One sort of treating it almost like a soap opera and of course there was a disastrous finish to the last season as well where um it, it it, it it was very tight between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, and it was all decided uh, on the last laps of the race again under a, 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 a safety car. And it was a bit of an anti-climax and a, 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 a bit of a debacle again. So for two seasons in a row to finish under a cloud, um, you know, I could see some people, hey, look, I think of myself. I watched the race. I finished watching it, switched off, and then someone texted me, well, that was a bit of an anticlimax, And I'd actually switched off by the time the news came through that actually the season had been decided. And I suspect that's the same for other viewers. So in the end, yeah, um, I think it probably does matter when it comes to you know, things like audiences, because if you don't give them a good show, you don't give them the big moments, then they don't come back. Next, The Week in TV
1: made. Lots going on in TV this week, Tim. Let's start with TEN's owner, Paramount. As you mentioned, you're in Sydney this week for the Paramount Upfront events. Now, there's a follow-up on that in the Sydney Morning Herald today.
0: Yeah, that's right, Abe. Um, you know, as we, we we were saying, that was, I guess, the big media event of the year. Everyone travelled into Sydney for that. It was at the ICC in Darling Harbour, Um, I'm never very good at guessing numbers, but I reckon maybe there were a thousand people in the auditorium, but I always say that. Um, now, one of the signals sent on the day was there are a couple of kind of subtle references to the financial firepower of owner Paramount, big American based company, obviously having missed out on the AFL rights, which eventually went to seven West media and Foxtel again, uh, for something like $4.5 uh, billion dollars over um, a number of years. Um, now, one of the things which, um, as you say, in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age today from Zoe Samuels um, spotted the, um, the, the, the maybe cricket, is one of the most attractive ones. Um, this is a quote in perhaps the clearest sign of its ambitions. Cricket Australia's executive general manager of broadcast and commercial, Stephanie Beltrame, was seen at the television and streaming company's annual television upfront last week. So the thinking being, if you're inviting them along to be in the audience, then you're you're fairly serious. Um, and certainly to me, it makes sense because. Um, Cricket does feel like it could have a natural home on ten. Ten was the home of Big Bash for a few years, and it it it, it rated successfully. And at the moment, the rates the rights are held between Seven and Foxtel, and Seven seems to have fallen out of love. They're they're already. Um, Having legal issues, uh, Seven is trying to pay less for the rights it's got at the moment. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if um, uh, Ten picks up at least the short form, um, and maybe for Paramount takes an interest in the the international, maybe the one days, maybe the long form test form of the game so that's certainly logical and you spoke to Bev McGarvey and Jared Bolani
1: last week in a a podcast and they were mentioning about you know well Jared mentioned about the need for tentpole programs or alluded to the fact that yes we we do need it and we would be looking at anything so it makes sense that cricket's on the radar again
0: yeah it does and I suppose as well as cricket um, I think it'll be very interesting to see how hard they look at the Olympics when they come up as well the One of the kind of realities on that is you have to be really long-term when it comes to the Olympics because the next couple aren't in a particularly good time zone for Australia. So really it's about uh, grabbing rights, including 2032 when the Olympics are in Brisbane. So that will be another conversation that happens.
1: And we're a week on from the NRL grand final. Is that long enough to do the analysis on whether AFL or NRL rated better this year?
0: Yeah. Uh, look, something I, I'd been meaning to do myself, Um, Carl Quinn um, from the nine Fairfax um, publications actually beat me to over the weekend, comparing the numbers for AFL grand final on seven versus NRL grand final, particularly once taking into account streaming numbers and regional numbers as well. So what, what what we saw from both were games which were both one-sided, which tends to then drag down the average number because the kind of neutrals don't stay around and watch until the end. So the average number goes down. So that happened with both games. Um, so the metro number for AFL Grand Final was uh, just under 2.2 2 million. That was for the five capital cities. And then NRL was well behind that on just under 1.7 million. Now, that was just for Metro, um, and that was the all-time lowest. I think Carl dug a bit further and made the point that One of the things to bear in mind when numbers are perhaps 600,000 lower than the last couple of years is the way the audiences are measured because it's the Oztam rating system and out of home viewing isn't recorded. Now, when people were watching in the pub, that's not captured. Mm. And obviously in the last couple of years when people were at home in lockdown, it was. So perhaps not like for like, but then maybe all that did was the last couple of years hid the fall. So I think however you slice it, it does look like grand final audiences have um, fallen slightly, even once you take into account that uh, there are more people watching on streaming now.
1: So coming back to the upfronts, how far are we through upfront season now?
0: Yeah, we're, I'd say we're, we're getting close to the halfway mark. So we've had two of the big ones now. So nine went first. Um, that was um, a few weeks back now. Ten slash Paramount, as I say, was last week. A couple more coming up this week of the kind of, I guess, the mid-tier teams. So uh, I'll be in Melbourne on Tuesday for the car sales up front. Everyone's doing up fronts these days. And then I'll be tuning into the, uh, the, the Sydney stream for Mamma Mia, which is Tuesday afternoon. Um, we've then got Foxtel next week. Um, Oh Media recently put something in the diary for the second half of, um, the following week, which I won't make to in person, but I'll watch the stream. Um, and seven of that week as well. So give it another fortnight and I think we'll be, uh well and truly over um up front for another year
1: and it's fair to say the pa production companies are going to be well uh well done with their their hire of smoke machines and confetti
0: cannons <laughs>
1: when this is all over
0: <laughs> look one of the definite trends this year has been the smoke machines i and i'm not even sure what the modern terminology is because it used to be dry ice didn't it goodness knows. it's a hazer now it's, it's a hazer it's a hazer. Well, yes, they they definitely had some hazer action with both with both nine and with Paramount. And Paramount had some form of glitter cannon hidden in the ceiling as well.
1: Speaking of uh, ratings and television, which we weren't, but it's a great segue. The real love boat, frankly, and what else is on your radar?
0: Um, yeah, so Yeah, it was it was a funny week in the ratings last week, really, Um, because it was the start of the week was dominated by the you know the aftermath of the, the 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 grand final for. Um, for nine, which because we we have a ratings week which runs from Sunday through to to Saturday, helped nine dominate the start of the week, and then of course it had the block. Now seven kind of ran dead the week just gone because they were waiting for the launch of um, Australia's Got Talent, which which has now launched. Um, so a couple of the ones that we were looking out for the the, the, the both were fairly disappointing. Were on ten we had the Real Love Boat. Now, this is, you know, yet another sort of dating drama. Now, rather bravely, they did announce a second season of it at the upfronts, despite the fact that a terrible piece of timing, it, the first episode had aired the night before to just 215,000 Metro viewers. Um, and then the next night that fell again to 174,000. Um, so shortly afterwards, they, 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 They've now bumped it back in in the schedule to later in the evening. So I suspect The Real Love Boat won't come back on those numbers. And then meanwhile... the abc had a new chat show um with frank kelly frankly and that on friday night rated 305000 um, viewers which is which is which, which is also not great um so looking at the kind of the, the the graph for the week um it's just absolute dominance from nine for most of the week um, in terms of 2554s, nine one every day of the week, um, same story in total people as well, which are the you know two of the the, the key sort of battlegrounds um, outside of grand final. The block was the uh, top show of the the the, the week in twenty-five fifty-four. Actually, seven only actually got one program in the entire top ten last week for twenty-five fifty-four, and that was the seven news um 6:30 bulletin and that was way down at 10 so um so yeah a very quiet week for seven all things considered
1: and before we move off television news from the AFR on one of the new television battlegrounds
0: yeah this is a piece in the marketing and media section of today's AFR from uh, Edmund Tadros now as as connected tv gradually picks up the viewers and they gradually move off broadcast finding shows is going to become more important than ever and something that's been going on is free tv which is the government lobbying body of the commercial tv industry has been talking to the government about wanting some help or protection when it comes to making sure that um smart TV software helps them be found. So there's been a uh, a comment from Communications Minister Michelle Rowland acknowledging that the federal government, and this is the quote, wanted to ensure local TV services can easily be found on connected TV platforms. So that's still being reviewed but that's the kind of initial position from the government and and that's kind of interesting because of course you know in the end that tv menu is is i guess going to become as important for broadcasters as as google is for for brands being found on search
1: next has the abc got a youth problem In Saturday's Best of the Week, Tim, you talked about the criticism of the ABC's loss of youth audiences, and you've been talking about it for a while off and on as well. There's more on that in The Australian this morning.
0: Yeah, that's right. So this this has sort of bubbled along over the last few days again, and it came up again. Um, there was some criticism of the choice of um, Fran Kelly, one of the ABC's veterans, to front this new chat show, which, as I mentioned a bit earlier in this conversation, Debuted on Friday and um, only rated a little bit over three hundred thousand, which isn't isn't really a, a, a great number. Now, the, the, the criticism thus far has really been one of two parts. Uh, one of one of which is, you know, why give it to the same old people? Because, of course, you know, Frank Elliott, you know, for for many years, been a very good presenter of um the, the 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 morning news show on abc radio national um and yeah here you know here she is again in being given another big role um with the 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 criticism of coverage being why not give somebody younger a chance now the way that the abc seems to be reacting to this is, well, that's just ageism. Um, and again, Ita as chair of the ABC, has spoken to The Australian over the weekend about this, saying that the criticism is, in quotes, totally inappropriate and is ageism. Now, I think the issue isn't so much, you know, criticism of Fran Kelly or age is irrelevant. The real criticism is the fact that the ABC really seems to be having a problem in connecting with its younger audiences, which is a, what I've written about before. You know, you have um, audiences really falling for Triple J, the so-called youth network, for instance, you know, in the in the radio side of things. The, the, there's also a fair degree of evidence that younger people just aren't listening or aren't, aren't watching ABC television as well. So I, th- I I, I guess the thing that just most concerns me about the ABC is just there's this defensiveness when it comes to talking about their problems in reaching the youth audience. There's a sort of degree of denial um that there is a problem. Um and I, I think one of the, the 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 great points made by Osman Faruqi from the Sydney Morning Herald um late last week in his opinion piece is there doesn't seem to be a distinguishing between well-intentioned feedback and criticism from people who are you know generally supporters versus people who are you know out to get the ABC. Um, and I, I you know it does strike me that um, perhaps the ABC has just got in such a habit of being defensive about everything that when people do have a good point, it doesn't always seem willing to hear it.
1: Next is government money being misspent on advertising? There's a piece in the AFR this morning, Tim, on how government ad budgets are being spent.
0: Yeah, this is one that really interests me, actually. So um, this is Patrick Durkin in the Australian Financial Review. Um, Now, this is a piece of research or thought piece that's been um, put together by the Grattan Institute, which um, looks at sort of public policy. And it makes the point that between the federal government and state governments, something like $450 million a year, so you know half a billion dollars pretty much um, are spent on advertising campaigns by the governments. Now, some of that is, you know, totally justifiable. You know, public service information, things people need to know, safety messages, all of those things. But of course, it's also a very useful political tool, particularly when elections are coming, to talk up the achievements of a particular government, federal or state. One of the criticisms being that um, whichever government's in power at the time tends to do it. And one of the signals that actually it's political is that it tends to spike when an election is coming. And of course, this is public money. So it's it's unjustifiable. So the, the Grattan report suggests that over the past it says thirteen years. Um, it calculates that six hundred and thirty million dollars, about quarter of all federal campaign advertising, was actually spent on money that really was about spruiking government achievements rather than necessarily being spent purely in the public interest. I. It's a conversation we've long had, um, and. You know, I think it's it, it's sensible the points the Grattan Institute's making, which is there should be some sort of independent expert panel to kind of give the green light or otherwise to to this sort of you know political ish advertising. Um, so yeah, I think it's um I think it's a, a a good report, which um which you know having now read about it in the AFR, I'm looking forward to reading the full thing.
1: Well, that's it for today. We'll
0: be back with more later in the week. We'd love to hear what you think of everything we've been talking about at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media.
1: And don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go
0: to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support by Satellite of Abe's Audio. (laughs) Live from the mountain cabin. See you next time. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio. Global but proudly local, Paramount ANZ is taking brands into tomorrow. From a mountain of content to innovative advertising solutions, Paramount ANZ connects brands with future generations who are tomorrow's customers. See tomorrow.